Eden was 20 years old when her mom died. Eden went through depression, suicidal ideation, and every day was a struggle. But the last 19 years have shown her that she will make it by the grace of God. Please choose another episode if this type of story will be unhelpful to your grief journey. And now, Eden's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me Eden, um, and Eden sounds like she has a very interesting story. For those that don't know, we always you know, kind of debrief for a few minutes before we start recording so that um, we can feel comfortable with each other and make sure that all the audio and visual stuff is, is working well. So um, Eden, as it goes, I'm going to turn the mic over to you and let you introduce yourself and tell your story. And then I'll be back with a question or so at the end. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Eden Gurma. Um, I ha- I am 40 years old and lived 20 years um, approximately with, without my mom. My mom died in um, 2006. Um, and two, I'm sorry, 2004 from uh, January 6, 2004, from liver from pancreatic cancer with Mets to the liver. Um, she was completely healthy and um, just, you know, within the six months of being diagnosed, um, you know, passed away. Um, you know, one of the things that I find is that um, you are never even though I expected that my mom's disease was terminal, you never expect that it's actually going to really happen and that you're prepared for it. And I remember on the day that my mom died, um, I was working at the mall and someone said to me, Hey, Eden, how's your mom? And it was three, it's about three twenty three or something like that. And the first words that came out of my mouth was my mom passed away. And nobody had even told me that my mom had passed away. But at that moment, I felt this heaviness just lift off of me. Um, And I remember rushing back home to my brother and saying, you know, Ben, mom died, mom died. And nobody had told us. And within an hour, somebody had called us and told us that she had died around that time. And that's when I realized that a mother's relationship with her children is so extremely strong. and. I mean, when the mother carries her children for nine months, but not only that, I think more so my mom, I always remember my mom praying over me when I was asleep. She would be at my door praying, um, you know, just constantly had me in her thoughts and in her prayers. And I think one of me being the only girl, um, I think that was something that was really important to her too. And she really tried to make sure that, you know, I remember her in hospice in the day that we left um, because she was being treated in Minneapolis and we were living in Texas and I had a 12 year old brother having, having to go back to elementary school. I was the oldest. And so I had another brother that was around 16 or 17 And um, so we had to go back home. And I remember her telling my brothers and my dad, make sure you take care of your sister. And it wasn't take care of anybody else, but it was take care of your sister. Um, So within my journey, um, being raised in a Christian home, 
you really kind of start to question your faith in God and just like, okay, well, my mom loved you so much. Would you take her away from her children, her little children that she didn't even have the time to experience life with? She's never seen us graduate from college or, you know, um, see a lot of our accomplishments. Um, and it was like a really bad downward spiral for me immediately. And so one of the things that I did, I remember, is go to church. And I went to church and I said, okay, if I ever want to see my mom, because I know she went to heaven, then I have to go have a relationship with Christ. And I don't think I have that relationship. And I think my mom is special. Um, and as I mentioned um, earlier to Beth, that I my mom died on her birthday around the same time she was born, probably one minute off. Um, and she was 46 years old. So very young. Um, and young, when I'm talking about myself now at 40, getting closer to the age that she passed away. So now I know she's she was really, really young because we always think about our parents as a lot older. Um, so I really started going to church and um, I dedicated my life to just really knowing Christ and just I got baptized again. Um, and as my relationship grew with Christ, I realized that it wasn't about seeing my mom anymore. That it was really that relationship um, and the beauty that I saw in that. But despite that, 13 years, I really went through um, a really hard time. And in between that, um, I went to medical school and I graduated college, went to medical school, never thought that I wanted to ever become a doctor. But I really put my faith in God um, um, and said, you know, as one of my medical directors, when I was a scribe, had recommended, hey, Eden, you should go to medical school. And I was like, oh, I'm too old to do all that. Um, but I really trusted God to say, you know, I asked him, I was like, if you're going to open these doors, you've got me this far. And if you're going to open those doors, I know you're going to walk through it. And if you do, I'll walk through it, too. And I got accepted into medical school graduated from medical school and became a doctor. And within that time, my relationship with Christ grew even more. Um, I was put in uncomfortable situations, but those uncomfortable situations also led to my breaking point at the end of medical school. And I think it was because when you are the only girl or the only female figure amongst men, you tend to think that you are also the mother and you put your grief behind. Um, I had a younger brother that was also in medical school that was going to college and I wanted to be her, his support system. Um, I had a brother that um, was so close to my mother that I think a lot of his pain led him to going into the military and kind of isolating himself and therefore got deployed. So my focus was more on my youngest brother, because at 12, I couldn't imagine the loss that he was feeling. Um, but over time, I used to hear people say, oh, my God, Eden, you're so strong. I don't know how you do it. And if my mom died, then I would die. And I'm like, no, you really wouldn't. And she wouldn't want that for you. And she would want you to live. Um, and I would say all these things that you would want to hear. But inside, I was really angry. I was still angry, whether it was at my mom or the position that I was putting, being the only girl, becoming a woman on my own without a, without a mother. Um, 
there was so many things that really caused me to be angry. And I just had a breaking point and I broke down and that's when I had to go back to God. And I was like, look, I can't do this anymore. I can't deal with the pain. I can't deal with this heartache. I really don't know what you have to do, but you have to remove this from my heart. I can't live like this. Um, and it was at them and it was really, I remember it was really late at night and I was just outside in the backyard, just screaming, just really talking really loud to God. It's like, I'm just really tired. And I could, I could really feel the heaviness. And I understood that it was like 13 years of built up, um, quote unquote strength with a smile. Um, it's almost like that check on your strong friends, um, or, those most people with depression are those with a smile on their face. Um, and nobody really asked me how I felt. They just kind of assumed that I was okay because I lived a pretty comfortable life and I was in school and, and, you know, I had an awesome dad and I would still have fun, but, you know, I was suffering a lot, a lot. Um, and I had to take two weeks out from going from medical school and really try to focus on my health. Um, and I can say that there was a lot of healing from those two weeks. Um, I, the way I approached the relationships that I had with people changed. Um, my expectations from people changed. Um, I understood that, you know, it's true when God says, I'll give you beauty for ashes, that there is to look at the positive aspect. I would probably would have never become a doctor had my mom been alive. Um, I probably would never been pushed out of my comfort zone ever um, if my mom was alive. My relationship with Christ, more importantly, would not have been that if my mom was alive. Um, I could see myself as more of a spoiled girl if my mom was alive. And I learned how to become Eden and become a woman. I learned how to cook and I cook really well now on my own. Um, I think I became the woman that my mom never probably ever thought I would be and that my mom would dream of. Um, so I say this because, um, through pain, you find beauty. You have, it takes time to find that beauty. Um, and now when people, you know, tell me, Hey, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm like, don't be sorry because my mom lives through me. I look like my mom. I sound like my mom. Um, and I think in some of those, that 13, you know, the last 20 years, I think the first half I learned, um, I forgot what my mom's voice sounded like. And I think that was probably the most painful part um, because 20 years, we don't have the technology that we have now. Um, so we have just those like um, pictures that we have printed out. Um, some of those videos have gone, you know, don't know where they are. Um, but I think having that voice just, I think that was probably the one thing that I missed the most was just hearing her voice. And um, about 15 years ago, I went to my aunt's house and she had a video of my mom. 
And the shocking part is my mom and I sound exactly alike. Um, so it makes me happy when I hear family members that say that I have a heart of, like my mom's. I have my brothers tell me that, um, that um, they thank me on Mother's Day for being a mother to them. Um, so it's, although it's so hard um, losing a mom and I don't know if I can imagine my life any other way. Um, I can't imagine um, just, I don't know what my life would be if she was here because I think we all grew as a family. Um, my father that had no emotional intelligence learned how to have emotional intelligence and how to communicate with his kids. Um, you know, my brothers became successful in their careers. Um, we learned to be closer and, you know, we have that bond. Um, there's so many beautiful things that still came out of the pain that we all experienced. And um, I remember my brother the other day um, on uh, my mom's anniversary, he said, dad always calls me. And I don't know if he feels like, you know, he has to tell me things about mom because he feels bad for me. He said, but I've lived most of my life without mom and it's just become life. And we've learned to live with it. So it's okay that he doesn't have to try to make me feel better. Um, but uh, hearing that from him kind of still, I'm kind of like, you know, well, but um, there's still, as a woman, I would love to take my mom out to get her, go have a pedicure and manicure or whatnot, you know, when I see friends that get to do that with their moms. But I'm lucky because I've, I'm very blessed because I've had family members and my mom's sisters that have stepped up um, to be, to, could never be my mother's, but I have an aunt that has also been widowed, um, which is my mom's sister. So she understands the pain of children growing up without parents. Um, and she understands that as the only girl that I, I do need a mother. Um, and she was a part of my healing journey. Um, and that's how I know God is so good that the minute that I experienced that breakdown, she picked up the phone and said, well, come to me. And I spent two weeks with her and it was just everything that I needed. And she, she would say, um, do you want to get your nails done? And I dreamt of someone asking me that, but she didn't know that I needed that. And she would say, well, I want to show you all my old clothes from when I was, um, from like when I was younger and I was a lot thinner before I had kids. Those are things that my mom would say. And those are the things that I wanted. Um, and someone that would cook for me instead of me taking care of somebody else. Um, and would worry about my happiness and could hear my voice through a phone and say, Eden, I, you're not feeling good and would just know it. And so I know God is so good in giving us just that wholeness. I feel a lot more whole in the last five, six years because of her. Um, and I think it just took the time to just really ask God, like, I'm done and I just need you to take over. And at this point, I don't know what to do. And I'm so glad that I had that personal conversation with God um, in order to do that. But um, 
I definitely think, I can't speak for everybody else, but I definitely know that I had, it was painful growing up without a mom, but there's so much beauty. And I get so proud when I look at, you know, some of my accomplishments and look at myself sometimes in the mirror and see my mother and I mean, kind of like freak out um, that she's still here. And that's something that I always try to remind my brothers, like every day that you're here, nobody, everybody will always say Jeanette's children. Um, and so anything that you do in this world, her name will always be remembered. So just be good, be kind, um, work hard, you know, love, show love. So things that she did, um, and you'll get through it. And, um, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but you know, I haven't cried about my mom in years. Um, and it's just, and I'm so happy that I'm in this place. And I don't know, I think everybody's journey is different, but I'm so happy I'm in a place where I don't have to be sad about it anymore, but more so look forward to the day that I get to see her. Um, so, um, you know, the question is also, are we, is it better to, I always used to ask myself, is it better to have memories with somebody or not have them at all? Because I also know people that have lost their mother or kids that have lost their mothers at birth. I know kids that have lost their mothers. Um, I had a cousin that died and left behind three kids under the age of eight. And I understand that, you know, especially going through it with my brother, most, you won't remember a lot of those things. You'll remember bits and pieces. Um, so I always used to, during my grieving process, I always used to say, is it better to like, would it have been better not to know or know mom or have known her? Um, but I'm glad that I've, I would say, I'm glad that I got to know my mother because there was a point in my life in this time that my youngest brother also asked to tell me about my mom. And so I was able to kind of tell him stuff, you know, and create memories for him and create little picture books um, for him. And um, so I think that was, those were, I had so many, I've always had so many questions go through my mind, um, but there's always someone, I always think there's always someone going through it harder than you are and worse for us, worse than you've gone through. And so since I know somebody personally, um, um, it's, it's a blessing to know her even for the years that I've known her. Um, and also I have become someone that young girls have come to, um, when their mothers or have died or fathers have died at younger ages. You know, um, I know somebody recently that she's 25, um, and mother died from cancer and, it's amazing how kids are so more mature. And I was like, wow, I wish I thought like you, you're so amazing. You're 25 and you think like this, you really took care of your mom. Like, that's amazing. Um, so I've become kind of that support system for other people too, which has also continues to help me because I think this journey is never ending. Um, and I think as you become a mother or you become a grandmother, you always think about your children, your grandchildren, your legacy, and 
you're, and then you also think about your mother in that same aspect, right? And that you want to be better and do better, make sure that you never miss the little gaps that you wish that you you had with your own mother. Um, so um, I think what I've learned all in all from this whole entire process is to really tell people that you love them, um, that to be, it's okay to be selfish and worry about and think about yourself because if you're not okay, you can't take care of the people that you love. Um, to really stand on your faith and really trust God because God is going to do it. Um, and that the one thing and that I've heard this for some reason multiple times over the last couple of months, the one thing that God has told us is that the one thing that is for sure in this life and definite is death. And that our time will come, but it's how we live our life. And so I truly believe that no matter what it is, um, never thought that I would ever see my mom looking the way she did when she died. And never in my life did I think that my mother would die at 46 years old from cancer as a healthy, as a healthy person. Never, never in my life did I ever think my mom would leave us. Um, but that is, I mean, the one thing is that I know is that we have a purpose here and just to understand what our purpose is and just to really pray about it. And I always tell people, you have to pray about your purpose. You have to know about your purpose. God has here, us here for a reason. He's the only one knows the, the day that we're going to leave here, whether it's tragically or not, everything, God, we, we are his children. And he doesn't want to harm us. And I know he didn't want to harm my mom. And or I know it wasn't like that. But it's just like, we really have to know our, our purpose. And that's the one thing that I prayed for so many years. God, just show me, show me what you want me to do. Let me be your vessel here. Because I know my time here is short. And I know where I'm going to spend is in eternity with you. So whatever you have for me here, let me do it. Let me be your vessel. Um, and I really... You know, I'm really thankful. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'm thankful that I really feel like my mom died for me and she saved me in so many ways. Um, and it's not like I was on, you know, I wasn't, didn't have any addictions or anything. And when I tell people that I'm like, I saw, I have a better life because of her, you know, and I know my father because of her. Um, so all in all, um, I just think that sometimes we have to look at as hard as it is, we have to look at the beauty and all of all of the pain that we suffer and that God is always so good to us. So that's what I got. Wow. Um, so what is your purpose? And you said you, we have to know what our purpose is. You know, I think my purpose is serving others. And when I say serving others, um, I think most of it is really so glad that I did it through medicine. Um, I worked in an underserved community for a very long time. And of course, when you get out into the world of graduate medical school and all that stuff, you want to make money. Yeah. Um, so I thought I wanted to go there and just like, oh, check it out for a year. And um, 
I learned a lot from my patients. Um, I, I, it was like a really sick practice. Uh, people, patients were so sick. Um, and I just felt like I was there for a reason and just being there changed a lot of, um, lives for a lot of patients. I did a lot of things and not to toot my own horn, but I just really care about people. And I always think about patients. Um, I always even used to tell my medical students, if you look at your patients as your mother, father, brother, or sister, you always go home happy and be able to sleep at night. And I only say this is because my mom's primary care physician. When my mom was sick, she went to her primary care physician multiple times complaining of abdominal pain and back pain. Now, as a doctor, I know those are classical signs of pancreatic cancer. And just because she had moved back to the United States just recently, her insurance hadn't kicked in yet. And he did not refer her to the ER. Okay. He didn't refer her for um, any imaging. Um, and so my mom went back again, even more sick. And he didn't do anything. And my dad was living overseas and she had to go overseas. And that's when they diagnosed her with stage four pancreatic cancer. So my mom could have had six months, an extra six months with her family and those that she loved. So what I do is that's why it's so important to listen when I, as a physician, to listen to patients, because this is someone's family member. Um, and I've, and so I think that's, that was really serving people um, is really my passion. It's my heart. Um, and I always used to pray, God, just you, every day when I used to go to clinic, God, use me as your vessel. I don't know what you're going to do with me today, but you're going to use me as your vessel. Let me do your works. Let everything that I do that comes out of my mouth be your, for your glory and not mine. Um, and it was, and I think that's where a lot of the success of the clinic is and empowering patients. Um, I also learned from patients that God is so good that he, I used to have patients that had stage four colorectal cancer for five years. I remember his wife was sick and she, um, he wanted to take care of her. So he stopped doing radiation and chemo. And he came into my clinic and I, it was my first time seeing him. And I said, well, can you do a PET scan? He's like, I don't want to do chemo radiation. And I'm like, okay, why? And he said, because I'm just going to trust in the Lord. And I said, okay, well, that's actually the best medicine. I said, okay, I'm with you on that. But can you get a PET scan so I can know exactly what's going on? I'm not, I don't have to tell you, but I just want to know for myself. Um, and he would come in every single time and request for me, um, because we would pray together and I would pray mm -hmm. for my patients and we would pray together. And I remember telling him, I said, you know what? I'm here to do God's work. If any doctor ever told you that they can heal you, we have one healer and that's our father. We're here to be his vessel. And if you're telling me that you trust in God to heal you, I'm with it. I was like, I'm on that page with you because guess what? If I had chemo, I don't think I would want to do all that too. I would really want to just pray and trust God to do that too. Um, and you know, miraculously, because God is so good, he lived four years without doing chemo and mm -hmm. radiation. With colorectal, with meds to the largest vessel, the aorta in your body. He should not have lived more than a couple months. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw God through 
working through my patients. And it was, it was really a lot of the miracles that I was able to see too. So it was a teaching lesson for me too. And it was a beautiful thing to see as well. Um, so I think to answer your question, I think my purpose is serving people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. I know that was a um, long answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, well, and I also appreciated your honesty in the beginning when you, after your mom's death that you, you know, said you started to question your faith in God. Um, and I think that's a normal, that's a normal thing for us to do. Um, I was mad at God for about 20 years, but that was because my grandparents were the only examples of Christians that I had. And they threw us out of their house while my mom was dying. So it's a whole big story, but I think, I think, um, if we allow that wall to start to be built, like if we hold God accountable for somebody else's actions, you know, or that I also, you know, used to think, well, why was I being punished? Why didn't he answer my prayers? Cause I prayed for my mom to get well. And, um, so it, it took me a long time. You've had your 20 year journey. It took me about 20 years to process all of that. And then I had all these self-imposed judgments on myself. Well, I can't say I believe if I haven't read the Bible, it's right. You know, every single word of the Bible, because I'm very black yeah. and white, like to, you know, pretend like I know things. I had put all these stipulations on myself. And then finally it was, you know, I was like, I want, I, I want to believe in that. I want to believe that this is real. And that's why they call it faith. And I'm, if I ever have it figured out, it's going to be when I'm on my deathbed or in heaven myself, yeah. you know, trying to have it all figured out and have all the answers in place to be able to explain it um, was just a big uh, roadblock for me, you know? Yeah. It's hard. But, it's really hard. It's very, very hard. Um, and I usually, um, I have a friend who's lost both parents by the age of 30. And I think, um, her mom died of metastatic brain cancer too. And I remember asking her the first question I asked her before she left town after burying her mother I said, are you mad at God? And she said, yeah, I think I am. And I said, it's okay. Because through your anger, you're going to ask God to help you. I said, sometimes we go through these toughest times because God loves us so much that he knows that we can't rely on ourselves, that we have to rely on him. So in that way, I said, I know I told her, I said, it's going to take time because you have so many questions, but you're going to go back to him and ask him why and how and what do I do next? Because you are the only one that has the answer and I can't do it on my own. And I truly believe it. And you hear it all the time in church and people saying that, but it's like when you do go through these hardships, says God knows that you're kind of creeping away from him and that he loves us so much that sometimes he puts those roadblocks or those obstacles in front of us so he can draw us back because we know we can't figure it out on our own, that we have to go back and say, God, I know you know how to get past this. I know you know how to get me through this. So, and through that comes through prayer and their relationship and building that relationship. Um, But again, you know, it's hard because not everybody has that relationship or has had that relationship through their whole entire life. 
So I always try to ask people and try to understand and be open to how people see spirituality and faith in their lives. Um, I have not come across someone that's not a Christian. So, um, but it's just always interesting to me um, to understand how people deal with that initial part where your faith is just shattered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, I think the longer you let it fester, the harder it can be to, you know, to allow the hope back into your heart. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate it. I appreciate you being honest about that and about, you know, being angry on the inside, even though you were putting on that external, you know, um, mask of that everything's okay. Yeah. Um, I love that your aunt was the person that you went to and that she did what you filled all those you know needs for you for two weeks with the the nails and the food and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. yeah yeah definitely that was a lot of my healing I owe her a lot and I talk to her every day and um the nice part is I've always wanted to like take my you know as you become successful and whatnot you're like oh I wish I could take my mom shopping or I could do this for her this is the time that you're like always wanting to do that right and so I have that for her and so I always Mm -hmm. tell her when I do that I was like I want to be able to do what I could have done for my mom for you um because you are also someone that has helped me but you have also raised your children um you know she lost her husband um when she had like three kids under the age of four she was and so you know and luckily she had a good career she's a pharmacist and raised her kids but it's I can imagine how hard it is too um and my dad went through kind of the same thing too it's like what do I do now the mom mom was at home with all the kids with the kids and now I have to learn how to cook for them and feed them (laughs) and understand what they think and what they like to eat and so, you know, it's, it's a tough process, I think for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the whole, the whole, I need to do a, I need to do an episode on that about the family dynamic that changes when you're the only female left in, in the family and mom is gone. It is, it is a, it's a whole, it probably has a name. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely a, inner expectation that just just is a natural kind of thing that comes up if you're the female left in the home uh left in the family yeah um I I'm naturally a nurturer since I was little so I'm naturally a nurturer so I tend to like to I'd like to take care of people but I don't know what it feels like to be the only girl and not be a nurturer I don't know if you just automatically become a nurturer because you have younger siblings or people that depend on you, or do you just become that spoiled girl? That's like, I'm the only girl you, I tried that. It didn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's never, and it's never been like that for me. Um, like, Oh, I'm the only girl. You don't have mom. You don't have. I'm the only sister. I'm the. I'm basically the matriarch. Um, but no, that that never was. That never was me and my family. But 
what hurts is I think the pain comes to when you become a nurture, when you are a nurturer and you naturally take care of people, you forget about yourself in the process. Yeah. 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 I think, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Well, I know that you kind of gave a whole list of things when you were at the end. Um, so maybe you don't have anything else to add to it, but I was just going to see if you have a final thought or anything you want to share before we wrap up today. No, I just really see, you know, it's so interesting because I have these conversations with so many people about death. And I think I'm one of the only people amongst friends and family that have lost a parent at a young age. Um, and I guess 20 is young, but um, I always try to, I have now um, healed with my mom's passing. I'm also a daddy's girl. And um, I always tell people, I'm like, I really hope God will help me and help me in understanding because we know our, our parents are going to die, right? We know, or we might die, I might die before my parent. But the thing is, I can't imagine the pain of losing my dad. It's my worst nightmare, mm-hmm. literally my worst nightmare, that and my, losing my, my siblings, really. I love my siblings. I have a very extremely close bond, like extremely. We are best friends, me and my brothers and my dad. We talk on FaceTime every single day, at least five to 10 minutes, wrap up touch base with everybody, how's your day, whatnot, and we do it around the same time. Um, But I can't imagine losing my dad, can't at all. Um, And I don't, um, I, I, it really brings me to tears when I think about the pain that I would feel, that I know the pain that I would feel would be worse than what I felt with my mother, because my relationship with my father is beyond that. I've always been a daddy's girl since I was little. Um, so I hope I'm able to, you know, and I, I don't think these, um, understanding grief is not, like I said, it's a work in progress. It's not a forever thing. It's not permanent. Um, because we're going to, grief is a cycle when it happens with other family members or other people in your life that you love. Um, and I can't even imagine what, and I, I just really hope that I would have the same understanding since I've already gone through it, that I would, going forward, that I could have that understanding. And it's uh, it's just so interesting to, you can never learn this from anybody, right. you know, you can never learn. And you can tell me, you know, that I lost my mom, dad, my brothers, sisters, and I'd be like devastated. But, and I could tell myself, hey, somebody, like I said, somebody has it worse than you somebody's lost there are people that have lost their entire family you know Eden you're so lucky that you have someone to go to you're so lucky even though that your brothers might not understand how to give you that love and the emotion emotional comfort that you need you have somebody um but it's I wish there was a way to understand it and just kind of be able to process it permanently because it's that's one of my fears is having to experience that kind of grief again 
mm-hmm. and how I would be able to deal with it, you know, because I am naturally, I'm an over empath. I am an emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. So, um, it's just that, um, grieving is, is, it's not permanent. Um, and, or coming to terms with grief is not permanent. It's just, it's a process that you're going to have to learn throughout your life because it's going to happen again and again and again. You're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Eden, like I say, I'm sorry that you're a part of the club, but I really appreciate you being here today and sharing your story Mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Beth. You're welcome. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.